This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha in caverns deep below the metro area, it's our pleasure to welcome you to episode 652. Is it 652 or 61? It's 652. Of the Two Headed Nerd comic book podcast, if it pleases the court, I am the internet's Joe Patrick, and I'll be your head number one for the proceedings. Your Honor, I'm just a simple Midwestern comic book internet lawyer, and my name is Matt Baum, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. This is another Cosmic Longbox episode of THN, where we are legally bound to review and discuss classic comic books based on a theme as chosen by our sentient Longbox we discovered in a crater not too long ago. Today's theme is comics in court. I'm, I'm, rubbing, my th- I'm rubbing my thumbs up and down my suspenders. You can't see it. Uh, so we'll be revisiting back issues featuring the trials of some of our favorite heroes and villains to discuss their cases and verdicts. After that, it's up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to cross-examine our must-read picks for next week. But now it's time to rise for the Honorable Judge Joe and Matt, because court is in session, and it's classic comic review time in the ziggurat. Every other episode of the show, our cosmically empowered long box sets us up with a theme... And then it's up to us to pick eight back issues for review and discussion. Now, as you heard, this episode's theme is comics in court. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be a traditional courtroom. It could be an arena, trial by combat, a grand jury appearance, or even judgment in front of an alien tribunal. One thing is for certain, these heroes and villains done f***ed up. And now, they will stand in judgment for their crimes. Joe, why don't you get us started with the first case on our docket? Well, at the very least, they're accused of up. Yeah, okay, look. They're they're innocent they're until innocent proven until guilty. Proven gu- well, except the case of the Superman comic we'll talk about later. Also the, also the Fantastic <laughs> Four comic. Yeah, they're just like, no, you're guilty, man. You know what? I think in, in most of them, I think they're guilty. Right, pretty much everything we read outside of a courtroom, they, you are it's guilty until proven, until proven innocent. Uh, hey, look, it's expedient. The first case on the docket today is Fantastic Four number 262 from Marvel Comics. The year was 1984. Here's your, uh, it's written and drawn by John Byrne. It's 60 cents on the cover price. And here is a bit of background for you. Accused of saving the life of Galactus, Reed Richards stands trial before a jury of intergalactic citizens, including the powerful Skrull and Shi'ar empires. Will his glowing mood ovals turn white? Or will he be condemned to death for his alleged crimes? And will John Byrne himself live to tell the harrowing tale? Some issues earlier, Reed indeed did save the life of a dying Galactus who pledged to change his ways and seek out uninhabited planets from that point forth. And it worked out great. That is, until he got hangry and the only thing open was the Skrull Homeworld Buffet. Fast forward a bit and Reed is snatched away by this galactic tribunal led by Princess Lalandra of the Shi'ar, and she is pissed. But the Watcher isn't about to let this shit go down without a fight. So he grabs the rest of the FF and heads to the trial. Uh, So yeah, the glowing orbs. It's an odd 
but I guess efficient way to deliver a verdict. I would, uh, I, I would prefer that to what we have in our American criminal well, justice system, I mean, quite they, honestly. So they like, searched. Kyle out. Rittenhouse is not innocent if the glowing orbs are at play. Okay. Uh, well, okay, fair. But uh, they searched the hearts of the jurors to find the true feelings for a pure result. I just hope you don't get someone on the jury that had a really lousy meal during the lunch recess. Or that got stuck with the one broken chair in the gallery. They might hold it against you, well, and but, their heart might find you guilty. This is looking into their heart, so I like to think it's looking past the bullshit hey, in their head. Pe- people be petty, Matt. I'm not saying they're not, but I think I feel like it looks past that and gets to your real Fingers feelings. Crossed. Well, okay, look, we can debate the merits of this system all day long. The saying. fact does remain that they were going to. F- execute reed richards without a trial i agree until the ff show well my girl lalander was pissed and for good reasons okay yeah i well for a reason her home world didn't even get touched so what's <laughs> she so mad about she's being proactive <laughs> yeah uh anyway the point is moot uh through a truly cosmic series of events the truth of galactus is revealed and reed is acquitted and john byrne is transported home to tell the story to the children and emotionally stunted adults of Earth while everyone else in the galaxy that was there is doomed to forget. See, I think it's really cool because I didn't know this is how comic books got made. I, uh, this is, in the Marvel Universe, yeah. It's this a very is cool look into how the sausage is made. I didn't know. <laughs> so uh, It's all very silly, which is fitting because this is an Assistant Editor's Month issue. Google it, kids. But it's also delivered with a tremendous amount of gravitas by Burns writing and art. Uh, it's easy to read a cosmic story like this today and not be too impressed by the scope of it. Like where we've all read the Infinity Gauntlet and we've seen all the movies, blah, blah, blah. But Byrne uses the characters here to convey how awesome and mind bending it truly is to be sitting in a room and have Odin show up out of nowhere yeah. or whatever. And the art is breathtaking. Byrne is delivering the best work of his career in this early to late mid 80s window. And this is the sweet spot like right here and from here. And then when he moves on to Superman in a year or two is like the golden age for me of John Byrne art. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Fantastic Four 262 is a classic tale that was goofier than I was expecting, but an amazing ride. Nonetheless, like Frog Thor, I had somehow never read this. Uh, I loved it. It's a buy it. Was this the first, like, told origin of Galactus? No. Okay. Um, in the early 80s, there was, like, a super villain one-shot. Okay. They, like, Marvel put out, like, a super yeah. villain one-shot or I something. I can see the cover now. And it was the origin of Galactus, and it was all about, like, how he's the last surviving uh, member of the universe that came before ours right. and whose destruction was the big, big bang that caused our right. universe. This blah, is blah, blah. Odin resetting it basically. Yeah. But, yeah. So the, like for everyone, for everyone in the audience and everyone who wasn't there to read that issue, um, Odin is like, yeah, this is the origin of Galactus and yeah, he's tied to the universe and yeah, we need him. And if that wasn't enough, then eternity shows up and he's like, shut the f- up i'm busy and then puts all the, the eternity mind whammy on them yeah. and then it's over which uh, so i don't know if it, like we're gonna talk about another character that puts mind whammies on people in a little bit but i don't know if yeah. it's really fair to call eternity and he comes in and does that at that point here, well right? i mean that's just it's, it's like, <laughs> like it just like blows everybody's mind and they're like never yeah, mind I mean, it, it, you go it, home like, man <laughs> the whole preamble and and uh and, and wrap up where it's like John, the issue's late. What's going on? Oh, I don't know, man. I can't get a hold yeah, of the Fantastic totally Four. totally bizarre. It, 
But like a sister's edit, assistant editor's month, I implore you to Google it. It is a joy. They are so it's much wonderful. fun. Um, this is by far the best of those issues, by the way. It's so cool. Uh, I mean, it's and, no, you know, Aunt May becoming the Herald of Galactus or whatever. Sure, but. I'll give you that. But like th just the way they set up Galactus and how huge and amazing and terrifying he is. There's like a scene where an alien flies up and he's like, I got this gun and this gun, it's going to kill him and I'm going to save everybody. And he gets up there and Galactus is just like, whatever, take your best shot. And the alien's like, he doesn't even care. He's not even worried. What if the gun doesn't work? He doesn't work? even see me. Yeah, he's yeah. like, he doesn't even see me. He's not even thinking about it. What if the gun doesn't work? I've never tested it. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go sit down. <laughs> and right. Like, leaves. I, like, I just thought, that's like, how I scary thought, Galactus is. <laughs> I, I mean, and, uh, like, and that was like, and that was my favorite part is, is that, you know, you have to remember that there was a time where, like, you know, the FF had never met Odin before this. Right, right. And so when Odin shows up, even Sue and Reed are like, oh, whoa. Yeah. Like, the Odin, Odin? Holy, holy crap. crap. Thor's dad? <laughs> uh, and and like all the entire audience is like, whoa, it's Odin. <laughs> you know? Uh, and not like, Lilandra. So She's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. No, Get out of Eat here. Eat shit. <laughs> Eat shit, Odin. No, I love this. It was amazing. This is vintage John Byrne. And like one of my favorite characters, Galactus. And oh, man. And I love the Galactus. is like, Reed Richards? No way. That dude's my friend. And everyone's like, well, that's not a good defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, like, that's great. It's like you're not doing any favors, life. You know, yes, yeah. you're, you're guilty of saving Jeffrey Dahmer's life, Mr. Dahmer. You take the stand. Like, I don't know. I really like the guy. He saved my life. Like, I don't know. You're I've a been, cannibal. <laughs> I've been I've been friends with Reed Richards for a long time. Yeah, like, don't put that guy I, on the stand. Yeah. I'm giving this a huge buy it. Yeah, so good. Let's move to a more villainous trial. We're talking about Uncanny X-Men number 200 from Marvel. It's 1985 was the year. This was written by Chris Claremont with art by John Romita Jr. and Dan Green. All right, Dan Green's an inker. He's gotcha. the inker. Normally war criminals are tried in the Hague, Netherlands, but after Magneto surrendered to Freedom Force, the International Court of Justice agreed to hear his case in Paris, France for reasons that Chris Claremont does not spell out here. But that's not important. He's being defended by Charles Xavier and Gabriel Holler, who argue that Magneto should not be judged by his evil actions. Well, but he's not on trial for war crimes. He's, he's on, on trial for crimes against humanity. Yeah, well, still, you, that happens in The Hague as well. When you're talking about this happened all over the world, it's an international trial. Mm, That's I mean, where you go. Know. We'll see. I don't know. There, I, this place this place has a, a torch with a goblin holding up a bowl full of fire, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Maybe that's why they wanted to do it there. Their defense is that Magneto should not be judged by his evil actions because those happened during his former life before <laughs> he was de-aged to infancy by it's, mutant alpha. It's now, really, it's a, and it's somehow the second best defense presented right. in this week's theme. Now, before you start trying to do the math and go, going, wait a minute, so does that mean that, like, Magneto grew up again and he's, like, 30 years younger than the X-Men that fought him back in the day? No. He was later re-aged by the Shire, and now he's reformed at about 30. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, he was re-aged, but probably not to the age he should have been. Right. Kind of like the Justice Society. Sort of, yeah. Crowds of anti-mutant protesters want Magneto's head, and a group of terrorists claiming to be the X-Men are launching attacks all over the world. The X-Men have just returned from Asgard. See X-Men Annual Number 9 and New Mutants Special Edition Number 1 for more on that. Two of my favorite X-Comics 
ever written uh, and drawn. That Asgard, the Asgardian Tales. God, uh, they're so rips. good. It's Art, Art, Art Adams. If you aren't a fan of Art Adams before that, just, just buckle up. So they get sent back to Paris because Loki was smart enough to send them back to Charles, who is dying. I cannot remember why. And I tried looking it up and I couldn't figure it out. Uh, yeah, it's not important. Yeah. He's dying, though. Magneto gives some convincing testimony and ultimately the X-Men expose Fenris, the twin brother and sister of infamous Nazi villain Baron Wolfgang von Strucker, who I would add are definitely f***ing each other. <laughs> it's, uh, They're laying it's, around it's the hotel real... room in their underwear and stuff. <laughs> no, she's in a bikini and uh, he's and in he bed watching TV. In her bed, <laughs> by the way. He's wearing a robe. He's not in his underwear. He is in her bed. Xavier is whisked away by his main squeeze and Shire Majestic's Lalandra and Corsair, who is Cyclops' dad and captain of the Starjammers, and pro the professor puts Magneto in charge of the school while he's gone. I, I like I don't mean to say that they aren't fing. I'm just saying I'm just saying that they're in time. that scene. It wasn't <laughs> as illicit as you made it sound. Oh, it's there. It occurred to me while reading this issue that Uncanny X-Men 200 may be the first X-Men monthly comic I read as a young impressionable nerd. This comic melted young Matt Bomb's brain and it still completely holds up today claremont introduces the story and even resets magneto's background with the help of real life npr reporter neil conan <laughs> yeah who everyone in this issue is listening to by the way every time they cut to another location someone has the radio on checking the trial of magneto and it's neil conan resetting something it's probably the only place you can listen to it on the radio i guess the story goes heavy on anti-jewish themes to push the idea of nazi fascists feeding human fears of mutants fenris are creepy and sexy and like i said definitely doing it poor pregnant madeline Pryor is back at the axe mansion wondering why soon-to-be deadbeat dad scott summers hasn't called for a week mm. <laughs> carol danvers is binary at this point and she's hanging with the star jammers helping them teleport around i'm telling you this issue has it all young john ramita jr is amazing on it yeah yeah and i was right it was his later 90s stuff when he really came into his style it's that i didn't super enjoy blocky. as much with the later yeah. stuff where everyone's super thick yeah this is this is slightly less than that that said rachel summer's pink jumper with suspenders and leg warmers might be the worst designed x costume ever the the fashion sense in these books i'm is saying worse staggering. than anything polaris it, has ever worn I, I, like i find it hard to believe that it's even supposed to be a costume like maybe she was just working out like maybe she was in jazzercise or something i don't know yeah she was sweating to the oldies or something uh speaking of style colossus is sporting this weird sort of red michael jackson vest and gloves why is she wearing suspenders Damn i love this colossus outfit by the way oh it's i do too so no that's a great it's that's totally a great michael colossus jackson outfit. he just cut off the sleeves <laughs> it doesn't last long enough oh no it gets blown off big time and magneto gets best fashion choice in this book Wearing the you sleeveless purple onesie with the giant M on his chest. You love this costume. Oh, God, I love it. <laughs> the court case should be a slam dunk. I mean, this is Magneto, after all. And even though Professor X and Miss Holler's defense is good, they turn out to be completely wrong when Magneto inevitably makes a heel turn to villainy several more times in his life. That said, 
here, well, Magneto is found not, not, not immediately, guilty. to be fair. Well, not he, immediately, he, sure. He's, he hangs out with the new mutants for a while. That said, Magneto is found not guilty and gets a new job as the head of Xavier's school. And if that doesn't blow your mind as a 10-year-old kid, you might not be breathing. I'm giving this a massive buy it. Great court case, too. It was great. All the arguments were great. Magneto has a great speech. The defense is excellent. The prosecuting attorney is a jerk. Tries to kill somebody with a rock at one point. He's a bad sure. guy. <laughs> I've talked about this on the show. My, my first issue of the X-Men didn't come until the 90s, so I didn't get my hands on this until later. Um, but uh, I loved it. I remember loving it back then, even though like as a younger like teen, I was like, this is a lot of courtroom drama. Oh, yeah. And it's... But it's an exercise issue. It's issue 200. And so it's also full of like crazy, crazy awesome action. Like I'm looking, I'm, I'm flipping through it again right now. And I'm looking at this uh, uh, page where Cyclo- or, pardon me, Colossus gets punched by the um, yeah. guy in armor. Uh, and he goes through the cathedral uh, uh, play, uh, uh, stained glass window and it is breathtakingly beautiful yeah. as he crashes through that stained glass window with all of the like multicolored shards. It's like what a what a combo of art and coloring. Well, and you get um, a lot of kick-ass Colossus action in this, by the way. You do, yeah, and it's and it's ro- and it's rogue in her rogiest rogue outfit. Oh yeah, and and uh, it's also like Kitty Pride in her proto Shadow Cat mode. Like from here, she'll go onto Excalibur and she'll be in in full Shadow Cat gear. Um, but yeah, no, this is a great issue. The art is for me. It was was and is like the thing that blows my mind the most. Like it's this so is good. it's so good. Peak, this is peak Ramita Junior. And like I, this is coming from a guy like I. I think Ramita Junior went through a real weird, blocky. Uh, everybody's kind of hefty patch in the '90s, like we've talked about a thousand times. And then he would settle down and become the Ramita Junior we loved when he was drawing Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. But this is like on a whole another level. This is beautiful art. Uh, this is a buy it for me. I can I also couldn't remember why Professor X was walking. And I think it's because of something to do with the brood. Like I think he got bit by a brood and that something they be. did to heal him healed his spine. That could be because he might to, be in a he they, might be in a clone body. They had to take him into space to save him. And I think yeah, it was Lander something like you were you're saying, like the clone body was dying or something like that. Yeah, I don't. Rem- I don't remember. I, I never read the story that led to it. But yeah. Um, but yeah, they. But uh, this Some, is exit somebody lay professor- it on us. Somebody knows. Lay it on us. All right. Yeah, yeah. We lay it on us. Um, this is this is exit Professor X, and Professor X does not come back until like X Men two seventy five. Yeah, it's a while. So it's a number of years before Professor Xavier is back in the picture. But this is great. Great comic. I did love the Star Jammers. Like, oh, we teleported to Westchester, and he's not here. Damn it. I guess we got to go back to deep space before we can teleport <laughs> again. Just get on a plane. <laughs> hey, come on. They have, there's an X-Men Blackbird, you know? <laughs> come on. Like, just, just give binary a Snickers <laughs> to beef her up and they'll be good to go. Look, don't believe a word he says, Your Honor. He's crazy. Order. He's trying to steal my Order in the court. Order in the goddamn court. Sorry, Agnes. From international waters to the far future, it's Legion of Superheroes, Volume 3, number 51, from DC Comics, 1988 was the year. It's written by Paul Levitz and Keith Giffen, with art by Keith Giffen. The cover price, $1.75. International waters? Yeah, they were in Paris. I guess not waters, sorry. From the international <laughs> court to the far future. Okay. Sorry, they weren't in the international. Yeah, right. International waters, anything goes. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, here is some background for you. Following a devastating battle with the time trapper, Brainiac 5 is accused of the murder of Jackson Rugarth, a.k.a. the Infinite Man, uh, who is somehow also a uh, cosmically powered character that can control time. I don't know. Like, it's bad luck when you have one. It's just it's just carelessness when you have two. There's, Meanwhile, there's two of them. Well, the, there's the time trapper. Oh, this is who not, I just mentioned. Oh, I thought. And I, then there's the infinite man. <laughs> so he's accused of killing the infinite man. I thought he was accused of killing a time trapper the whole time. No, no, no. Mentioning that. It's, fo- it's following a devastating battle with the time. Oh, trapper. Okay. Brainiac five is accused of the murder Jeez. of Jackson Rugarth, AKA the infinite man. Good Lord. Who is <laughs> for some reason, the second supervillain that the Legion has that controls the time stream. Meanwhile, the uh, Kuns or Coons or Coons are up to their usual nonsense, and Shadowlass makes a tough decision to save the life of the injured Monel. Uh, many years prior to this, a scientist named Jackson Rugarth was transformed into an insanely powerful being called the Infinite Man. It was uh, it was one of the reprints in the very first Legion of Superheroes thing I ever had, uh, DC Comics Blue Ribbon Digest, and I love that story so much uh thought lost in the time stream at the end of their first encounter the infinite man returned uh and died in the battle with one of the legion's greatest enemies the time trapper guided by the hand of brainiac five not great full of righteous indignation i mean not a great move not not that it's not great comics full of righteous indignation former substitute legionnaire polar boy puts on his big boy pants and puts brainy on trial for murder uh, with his future in the Legion at stake. Okay, I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm going to. What the f*** does Polar Boy do? <laughs> Polar Boy, uh, he's Iceman, basically. Okay, and, ice, he wears ice a ja- and he wears a jacket to stay warm. He's got a puffy jacket. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. it's a part. He's got Pink a, one. Well, that's how you know he's got cold powers, Matt. He's got gotcha. a parka with a fuzzy collar. A pink <laughs> fuzzy jacket on. Well, he used to wear he used to wear a stocking cap to go with it. So, <laughs> anyway. Sorry. Uh, Now, look, see, the Legion has very strict rules against killing, but some of the members feel that Jackson Rugarth effectively died when the Infinite Man was born and that he, Rugarth, would have willingly sacrificed himself to stop the Time Trapper regardless. Uh, Arguments are presented, votes are tallied, while other subplots carry forward, but in a total baller move, while the universe's only Green Lantern comes to his defense, Google it, kids. Brainy doesn't even bother to wait for the verdict and bounces, uh, which is a move that Mark Wade would steal at the end of Tower of Babel in JLA. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, I am a sucker for any good super team story where they have to take a vote. Membership drives, hell yeah. Legion uh, Leadership decisions, you betcha. Trials, the best. And the Legion is great at all three. It's like all they did. Kind of, yeah. Uh, This is a stellar issue with some strong character work from longtime writer Paul Levitz. Uh, He expertly juggles an immense cast. And the way he's always done that is that the the larger cast is there, but then he only casts a spotlight on the few that are involved in ongoing subplots and they rotate in and out. So you don't really have to worry about what the White Witch is up to because it's not important. The real star for me, though, is the art by Keith Giffen. Uh, watching his style and his uh, truly 
bizarre future fashion sense. Oh yeah. Evolve over the years is awesome. So 80s uh, here too. But it's like, really, it's really man, something. Like, Dream girl, it looks like a prostitute in 1986 New York. <laughs> it's just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, this is my favorite phase of, of Giffen where he's somewhere between the traditional superhero style that he started with and the wonderfully bizarre style he'd adopt in just a couple of years. It's, it's very much his own, but it's very different very clear uh you know detailed it's but it's it's different than what you normally see in a yeah. book like this you can see keith giffen here but it's not the keith giffen that he grew into right legion of superheroes 51 is a great example of this week's theme with strong writing and fantastic art even if the only stakes are whether or not someone gets kicked out of the cool kids pretty much club. right like nothing's gonna happen yeah he's not going to prison no uh, it's yeah, it's just about whether or not he gets to stay in the Legion, which is awesome. Uh, this is a buy it. I, I love this comic. Yeah, like Brainiac basically said what was on my mind the entire time. When, yeah. he, when he sits down, he's like, whatever. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is a waste of time. Who cares? Yeah, I did it. Yeah, you know, and I did it because this. Anybody care? And they're like, well, the majority of us don't. So just Polar Boy being a jerk, I guess. <laughs> right. Um. So you made me read a lot of Legion stuff, and it's really the only Legion stuff I, I've read. And this looked so much different from the last time we checked in with the Legion. Right. Uh, this is key. So this is like Six years after the, after Keith the great stuff we read, saga, after or? Greg Darkness saga, okay. and like he's evolved a lot. Yeah, because like I didn't even recognize some of the characters, like Shadow Lass. I did not. Oh, know. Well, they have a lot of them have different costumes. Yeah, well, yeah, I didn't know that was her at all. Uh, Block. Well, totally the telltale different. sign is that she's blue. Okay, fair enough. Like Block, I didn't recognize at all. He's, Block gets a complete redesign, yeah. And I've decided he's my favorite Legionnaire. <laughs> I love Block. Block is great. great. <laughs> no, I've given this a buy it. And it, yeah, like I said, it seems like every time we've checked in, the Legionnaires were either voting to see who was going to be the new leader, voting to kick someone out, or <laughs> it's like all they yeah, did. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and it's like great. to me, like, uh, so I love the Legion. And like, yeah, I love the superhero stuff. But for me, what's the the real meat of the Legion? What's the real great, you know, stuff I latch onto with the Legion is all of this drama. Whenever right. there's like some right. sort of intrigue or character drama, it was all or like relationship too. shit. That was the yeah, biggest Oh yeah, drama. the infighting. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, great. Like they fight they fight some guy with a force field belt that's trying to steal a rare animal from the interplanet. Who gives a shit? Yeah, the big story uh, is they can't get along. <laughs> no, yeah. And, and it's just like, and they are just like backstabbing petty yeah, bitches. It's terrible. Uh, and, but yeah, like that's it's, what it's I, like love. I love. Mean girls. About <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's great. Let's travel 1,000 years into the past to the year 1995 for Superman. Volume 2, number 106 from DC. It's written by Dan Jurgens with art by Ron Friends. Let me tell you, I feel like I lost weight while I read this comic book. <laughs> it's a lot. Superman has been arrested by three giant blue bald infant looking aliens with four arms calling themselves the Tribunal Prime, who have accused him of being responsible for the destruction of Krypton and the deaths of the entire populace. Now let that sink in for a minute, okay? I, I'm going to argue, I know we're not yeah. done yet, this right. is the worst court case we are going to bump into. Now, 
this is completely dumb because Superman was a baby when Krypton blew up, which Soups is very quick to point out. Ah, but the tribunal, they were prepared for that defense and they counter with the fact that because the populace of Krypton was genetically bonded to the planet and couldn't leave due to Superman's ancestor, Kamel, corrupting a device called the Eradicator, Hundreds of thousands of two, years ago. Two hundred thousand years okay, ago. Okay, two hundred thousand. Yeah. I mean, that's still hundreds. That's, yeah, it's just just to be specific, it's two hundred thousand. During years ago. the Kryptonian Clone Wars, later yeah. a prophet called the Cleric would take the Eradicator device and leave with a few hundred other Kryptonians who would all die in space. <laughs> then yep. Soups would meet the Cleric, who obviously lived protecting the Eradicator for two hundred thousand years. He passes it on to Soups. Who develops, a, who develops a psychic bond with the device before it jumps into a hunky human body, puts on a pair of wraparound blue blocker sunglasses, and tries to remake Krypton on Earth. I like to call. I like to think of them. Think of them as Rex Specs, but fair enough. Yeah, you know, all but, but of this. They are. They are more like blue blockers. All of this either unfolds or is reset in the first two damn. Pages of this comic book. Now the stuff about the era- the stuff about Hunky Eradicator. Oh wait, no, uh, yeah, no, they do explain they that. Totally reset. Yeah, it you're right. right. They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they do. They do. They do. You're right. No, so at this point, I am sweating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because the tribunal's infinite and doesn't recognize time as an excuse, they are blaming Soups for something his insanely distant relative did, because I guess their case docket was more than 200,000 years behind schedule. (laughs) Superman has a thought that rang true for me as a reader when he thinks to himself, this situation is so absurd, I can hardly take it seriously. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, strap in, Soups, because this trial is a 12-part Story that ran through every issue of the monthly Superman titles. Yes. Now, this was the mid-90s when Superman grew his hair out to be more relevant for the cool kids, and this 12-part story took place at at the same time as Underworld Unleashed, which explains why why Soups was not around for that event. I never read any of this Jurgen Superman run, so I was shocked at how dense the plot turned out i never heard of this genetic flaw crap that kept the kryptonians home and just thought the eradicator was another poorly designed superman villain i texted joe patrick losing my mind yeah uh, i was like whoa what (laughs) let the uh so here joe uncle joe's story time all right uh you can cut this out and put it out as an extra okay Editor's note, see our YouTube channel for Uncle Joe's Storytime, The Eradicator Edition. Jurgen's script is insane, but it takes itself completely seriously and goes out of the way to lay out exactly what is happening, even for readers like me who know nothing about the weird post-crisis Kryptonian lore that Joe Patrick loves so much. I do. The story is as ridiculous as the case against Superman, which is ultimately concluded when the tribunal sentences Soups to death, ties him to a rocket, and fires him into the kryptonite remains of his old planet. The good news is an alien named Mope, who is the milk brother of Brute. I don't even know what the f*** that means. Um, I don't know. Let's best not to dwell on it. (laughs) 
takes Superman. I, I don't place. have any. Inf- I don't have any inside information on what milks makes somebody a milk brother. Right. He takes Superman's place on the rocket and dies instead. The tribunal decides. Oh wait, the best the best part, Matt, is that Mope. They establish earlier in the storyline that Mope has the ability to inflate the compartments of his body like a puffer fish, which is why he's able to pose as Superman. Oh God. <laughs> because he's a skinny little thing that puts on Superman's costume okay. and then puffs up his body all to right. make himself look muscular. Well, that's all it takes for the tribunal. Someone's dead. They feel good. And yeah, they're, they're like, like, all right, all right nope. see ya. <laughs> all good. <laughs> Case yeah. dismissed. The remaining members of the tribunal, they do convict Superman and they're like, well, you're not as guilty as uh, like, you don't deserve to die, but you can't ever stop being Superman. You have to make up for what your ancestor did. And Superman is like, off i was gonna do that anyway <laughs> ron friends is fantastic on art yeah i love it he looks to have studied him. at the jurgen school of comics his panels are packed full of emotion and rage even when it's just an alien courtroom scenes but man i loved massacre first of all i love when you have an yeah. alien and like you want to know why they're a bad guy because they have a the very human term for something that is horrible. That is their name. I would yeah. like you to meet genital mutilation. You know, <laughs> like, right. oh, uh, like I, I like to think that in, in his native tongue, it's like, it's, it is a crippler. <laughs> it's like, Oh, that translates to massacre. No, his Yikes. name is just massacre. Right. I had no knowledge. Also, of- he has dreadlocks. Yes, he does. He has space dreadlocks. I had no knowledge of this story, what was happening in the Superman books at all, but I found this really easy to follow, and as ridiculous as the setup was, I cannot say it was not fun to read. I'm giving this a massive buy it. This was Hell just yeah. bonkers. Uh, I mean, look, this book this book rules, uh, and I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time going into my opinion because I already went off and off and off, but uh, I love it. I love this era of Superman. I'm going to touch on it again in my uh, in my later review of Action Comics. Trial of Superman is great fun. Yeah, I love it. It's a buy it. And Ron Friends. I love Ron Friends. Yeah, I Ron think Friends he's a great. tremendous artist. Like ever since, like first time I ever saw Ron Friends, he was drawing Amazing Spider-Man. He drew those, um, he drew Amazing Spider-Man after John Romita Jr. and before Todd McFarlane. He drew those infamous issues where Super uh, Spider-Man beats up Fire Lord. <laughs> And that was the first time I ever saw Ron Friends, and I've loved him ever since. Uh, he had he had a long run on Thor with Tom DeFalco. He co-created the New Warriors, who I'm also going to talk about later. Oh boy. I just love Ron Friends. Love him. Parties have agreed to dismiss their court cases and have their disputes settled here in our forum, the People's Court. Oh, speaking of, New Warriors 25. It is my next review. It's from Marvel Comics 1992. I did not plan that. It's written by Fabian Nicieza with art by Mark Bigley and inks by Larry Malstead. It's 250 because it is an anniversary issue. It's a milestone. It's die, got a die cut cover, which means it's got a cardstock cover on the outside with a hole cut in it. Oh, yeah. I remember that. You can see through the hole to the second cover, which is an elaborate design on the inside. It's great. Here's some background for you. Ty, we'll get there is trying her hardest to sacrifice the warriors to the well of all things in order to gain the ultimate power of the dragon's breadth. Not breath, breadth. Yep. Like width and breadth. But the warriors and the folding circle, again, don't worry about it. We'll get there. Yeah, Google I, it, kids. That's I, my theme for this. I issue. Google no it, kids. clue. In fact, uh, I skipped it and went straight to the trial part. I was just like, I don't know nah, who you I mean, are. I get it. It's fine. I don't I, care. I mean, I'm going I'm to lay it all out here. It's fine. <laughs> Ty reveals tonight, Thrasher, that she was controlling his mentor, uh, Cord is his name, Andrew Cord, when he gunned down Thrash's parents. 
<laughs> Night Thrasher is forced to kill Ty to save his friends and stop her madness. Back at home, Marvel Boy's murder trial concludes, and he is convicted of negligent homicide in the death of his father and sentenced to prison. And you know what? He did it, and I totally agree with that jury. <laughs> it's the entire reason we're here, and we're going to get into it. Uh, so here is a bit of background uh, just on the rest of the story for those of you that choose to uh, check it out. Uh, though he was the only original character in the first New Warriors lineup, Night Thrasher's origin was anything but. Dwayne Taylor was an orphan whose rich parents were lost to violence. As one might expect, he was raised by kindly family friends slash employees who helped him train and prepare for his dark mission of vengeance. Never heard anything I like that. I certainly it. can't think of any other characters that nope. are similar. I mean, maybe Shazam. Maybe Shazam, <laughs> yeah. Uh, naturally, naturally, one of the very first things that Fabian Nicieza and Mark Bagley did, and to be fair, maybe this was planned from the beginning because it was only a couple of years. Maybe uh -huh. they had it in the bag. I don't know. Uh -huh. uh, but one of the first things Fabian Nicieza and Mark Bagley did when they inherited the character from Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends, who introduced the team in the pages of Thor, was start planting clues to Thrash's true origin that finally paid off two years later in this issue. Long story short, Dwayne's father was part of a military unit that found an ancient temple in Cambodia, and they were offered a pact for great power by the woman Dwayne uh, grew up thinking was just his elderly housekeeper. Her name is Ty. We're going to get to the court thing. Anytime. We are going to get to the court thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, Papa Taylor was the only one to refuse the pact, which is what led to their murder at the hands of their best friend under some wicked mind control. Uh, uh. It, Taylor, uh, Taylor already had a wife and a kid on the way. He's like, that. I'm, I'm good. Now, most of the team has followed Thrash and his would-be siblings, the Folding Circle, the children of uh, the other military dudes, to Cambodia to shut Ty down once and for all and or steal the power for themselves, which is what happens when you're evil. Don't care. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there no, because about not. six issues earlier, Vance Marvel Boy Astrovic unleashed his telekinetic powers against his abusive racist father and nearly pulverized every bone in his body to powder. That is a mess uh, that is hard to clean up. <laughs> in, in the uh, in the issue where it happens, they're at the hospital and the doctor's like, 70% of his bodies have been ground to dust. So what is he doing in the hospital? He's dead. <laughs> well, he was he was clinging to life and then he almost he immediately died. Was he a bag of jelly at that point or what? I mean, yeah, they had him they had him wrapped up like a mummy and he was full of pins. Yeah, the whole deal. Uh what has transpired alongside the main story here is Vance's trial and the defense provided by Foggy Nelson and a stream of respected witnesses like Ben Grimm couldn't have been better. Uh, unfortunately, the truth that Vance probably could have stopped his father without lethal force won the day, and Marvel Boy was sentenced to 14 months in the vault for negligent homicide. Yeah, man. They threw a, they threw out the case, first-degree murder. Of course not. He did not plan to murder right. his dad. It was a crime of passion, and he let loose with more force than maybe he meant to, but he could have controlled himself if he really tried. It's a really great scene, though, where the, the, the prosecuting lawyer like walks up, pulls out a gun, yeah. And he's like, no. And she fires a cap with a little like flag. So it says bang. And she says, let me get this straight. Someone as powerful as you who could stop the smoke. Yeah. Coming stops the out smoke from the gun of a yeah. cap gun. You did you really need to use your powers to kill your dad? You know, and the jury was like, ooh. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like um, the, uh, some issue like and they've been building to this for a while. Um, 
you might recall many, many uh, episodes ago, we did that alternate universe uh, cosmic long box right. and we reviewed that issue of New Warriors where the Sphinx altered everything. Yeah. And then they came back to normal. Ever since that, ever since reality was rewritten and then put back to normal, Marvel Boy has gotten stronger and stronger over the last like 10 issues. Where is he now? Is he dead? No, he's not dead. Okay. He's, uh, he's not Marvel Boy anymore, though. No, I mean, Justice is his, is his Justice, name. Justice, that's right. Uh, he ended up being like a, a a teacher in the initiative and all this. You're like, no, he's still a, he's still a superhero. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so like uh, when this whole drama with Night Thrasher kicked off in issue 18, um, Night Thrasher confronts Cord and he's like, tell me the truth. And Cord is like, I can't. She'll kill me. You don't understand. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. And then tries to blow his own brains out. And Marvel Boy is like, I got this. Don't worry. I'm keeping his blood and brains inside of his body with my mind. Ugh, gross. He doesn't say brains, but he means brains. Uh, and he, fly, he flies Cord to the hospital, holding Cord's head together with his mental so powers. Like the bullets it, in like, there stopped, and he's keeping his head from exploding, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's Jesus. like, whoop, yeah, wow. This blew my mind as a kid. I don't think I'd ever seen a story where one of the book's main leads was convicted of a serious crime, let alone actually been guilty of one. Uh, Nicieza's script is full of seriously compelling courtroom drama and a few comic book theatrics, and the two plots combined to change the direction of this series for the duration of its run, and that is that is not hyperbole. Like, after this, the New Warriors were never the same. Bagley's art is tremendous. This is the series that turned me into a lifelong fan, and to me, he has never looked better than when he was inked by Larry Malstad. There's just something about that combination that turns Bagley's line art style into this slick, sharp, clean, just superhero action gorgeousness. Now, this is still certainly the work of a young artist, and there are some panels that are a little goofy. But otherwise, this is a stunning comic book. For all of the usual nonsense that comes with comic book trials, the one presented in New Warriors 25 feels deadly serious. And it brought a huge amount of depth and character development to one of my favorite members of the team. I'm giving this a buy it. So I'm only going to speak to the, the trial portion because I didn't understand the you other quitter. part. I read all of I read it. All I'm, not saying, I'm not saying I didn't read it. I read it. I just had no clue who those characters were, what was going on. Well, yeah, because it was part four of a part right. six of like a six part story. Totally lost. I knew what was going on because they, they set up the court case and everything. And it was great. It was really good. Foggy Nelson is there prosecuting. I assume Daredevil was busy or whatever. And like he this kid did it. He full on did it. He screwed up. And yeah, man, the verdict is super dramatic too. Cause they like bring him out and like the jury finds you. And there's like blank page. We just stand there like, okay, waiting, like not guilty. And like, yay. On the second count though, where you were negligent homicide, totally guilty. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they send him to the uh, raft. <laughs> like that's the, a, No, the vault. The, oh, this me. is back when the vault pardon was still a thing. They send him to the vault. That's a rough place to go. No, this was great. The art looked great. I, 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 I thought this was a ton of fun to read. I see why you love this stuff. And, Maybe I need to dig into it a little more to like yeah. get into like these series because this is just as serious as anything that was going on in the X books that I loved. You know, yeah. it, it's just I just didn't know the characters. I'm giving this a buy it as well. Yeah, I mean, New Warrior like New Warriors gets a, a rap uh, for being kind of a, a silly '90s artifact, and it is like right. haha, Night Thrasher's got a skateboard. Yeah, it, when they were created, they they yes, it's very dumb. Right. 
Um, and like that whole that whole thing with do- that do- uh, that whole legendary story about Dwayne McDuffie pitching uh, pitching this series of all black characters with weird gimmicks like Rocket Racer and Night Thrasher. And it's, it's like it, like it's all true, right? All of it's true. And Fabian Nicieza like bent over backwards to make these characters work. We can talk it, about it, this more on your New Warriors cast. Yeah, but I, like this is it's a gr- this is a great run. This like this is a payoff for two years of stories. And uh, it's really, really good. Stuff. I get it. Um, the next issue, uh, this is Bagley's last issue. The next issue is the first of uh, the first issue of a run drawn by a fresh baby faced Derek Robertson. Oh, wow. And um, it's uh, Vance is on his way to the raft and Firestar, Namorita and Nova uh, show up to bust him out. And he's like, no, let me go to prison because I'm guilty. It's so good. It's so good. All right, you're done. Objection. That is a lucid, intelligent, well thought out objection. Thank you, Your Honor. Overruled. Next up, my favorite lawyer in the business, She-Hulk herself, volume two, number seven from Marvel. This was 2005. It was written by Dan Slott with art by Will Conrad. Jen Walters is having trouble changing into She-Hulk at this time. And when she does, she's not as strong as she used to be. She's working with Leonard Sampson, who's developed like this gamma bracelet thing that is supposed to be helping her, but it also sort of monitors her. It's a whole thing. She's dating J. Jonah Jameson's son, John Jameson, a.k.a. Man-Wolf, and just happens to be defending Thanos' brother, Eros, a.k.a. Star Fox, in court for a recent string of sexual assaults. (laughs) For those who Mm. don't follow the Eternals of Titan, Star Fox, like his brother Thanos, is a child of an Eternal couple that lived on Titan, one of Jupiter's moons, and has the psionic ability to stimulate the pleasure centers of the brains of people within 25 feet of himself. This power, which emanates from him at all times, causes other beings to feel good around him. By concentrating, he can magnify these emanations, provoking such extreme pleasurable sensations that a person becomes highly aroused, euphoric, or totally sedated. Thank you to the Marvel Fandom Wiki for that. And yes, Star Fox is effectively a living date rape drug. (laughs) He is Rufy, yeah. Yeah. uh, But also, he's a good guy. So when he's called to court for sexual assault, there's an entire army of hot chicks that want him freed. (laughs) Well, but, okay, you go on. All the demonstrators out front are definitely hot chicks that are holding signs that are like, free Star Fox! But are they there because they believe him? No, I think they're just there because they think he's hot. Rufy. (laughs) I don't think the... They didn't insinuate that the people outside had all been, but then again, maybe they have. Star Fox, he gets right. around. Right. In fact, Star Fox has had- He's the Wilt Chamberlain of superheroes. Yeah. In fact, Star Fox has had so much sex on Earth, he cannot remember the plaintiff, Pamela Harmon. But when she gets on the stand, she is affected by his latent powers and recants her story, saying the encounter was not only consensual, she was way into it. This happens with all the prosecution's witnesses, including a male Hydra agent who became <laughs> obsessed yeah. with Star Fox after he used his powers on him to get a code out of him that would disarm a Hydra bomb back in the day. So Judge orders Star Fox to be held in confinement at Rikers Island during the trial, and Jen tries to recruit Avengers to testify as character witnesses, but half of them are just straight up like, no way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, Except for Hercules. 
Yeah, Herc's like, he's a great guy, I'll do it. And Janet Van Dyne's like, absolutely, I'll help out. Cap is like, mm, I don't think it's a good idea. Carol Danvers is just like, no. <laughs> my my public my publicist my publicist advised against it. Yeah. She says. Slot does an excellent job walking a very thin line with his script, going so far as to use a law clerk named Pug talking about the case and how creepy Star Fox is. He uses a Pepe Le Pew reference. He's saying, sure, those cartoons were funny when we were kids, but when you're older, you realize they're making fun of a female character being mauled against her will. Slot even puts Jen in the position of grilling the victim and blaming her for the assault before she realizes Star Fox probably used his powers on her when they hooked up in the past to make it seem like Jen put the moves on him. In the end, Star Fox's eternal dad teleports him back to Titan because he doesn't like the outcome of the trial, but not before She-Hulk confronts Star Fox and kicks him squarely in the crotch. <laughs> I'm not going into the art much here because I love Will Conrad, and this is some of his earlier work, not necessarily his best. It's fine. This series, though, was some of my favorite Dan Slott work that really fleshed out She-Hulk as a character, and it tells a very important story here, sort of through the eyes of superhuman powers and what is responsibility, what is consent, and when is when are things actually consensual? I'm giving this a huge buy it. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely uh, some tricky themes that slot um, slot is dealing with here, and uh, like I I have reread a lot of this series recently. Like this continues on. Like later on, Jen they find themselves on Titan to deal with Star Fox and. It's uh, like so the story's not over just because he like noped out of there, but it's it's a lot of heady stuff. And it's and it's stuff that like when you're a kid and you're like, oh, Star Fox has the ability to manipulate emotions. OK, that's cool. But then you don't think about it. The first time I ever met Star Fox was this issue of the Avengers where um, Annihilus has put a bubble over a, a section of the uh, of he's covered the Baxter building in a bubble. The FF are in the. Uh, negative zone. It's kind of a, a stealth crossover with Fantastic Four, and it's what ends up with them getting the black and white uniforms. Anyway, um, there's this bubble around the Baxter building, and the Avengers can't penetrate it. And while they're trying, you know, She-Hulk is like pounding on it. Thor throws his hammer through it, and the hammer immediately drops to the ground, and he's like, oh shit, I have to leave because I'm going to turn back into Donald Blake. And Star Fox has and, sex with it, and it goes away. <laughs> well, and um, like, and Vision is like, I think I can get through this. And he goes through it and immediately shuts down and then does not recover when the bubble is gone. So it's a whole thing. Um, but it, it, part of that story, there is a scene where Star Fox is um, standing at the police barricade, um, like putting the moves on a lady cop. And I'm thinking back on that now, and I'm like, oh, no. He's a horn dog. I like, I never, like, I never once, like, why would you when you're six or eight? Like, right. why would you think about that? Um, but like, yeah, like Dan Slott is like, no, like this guy's a problem. Yeah, His powers are a problem. And he punches with this character. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's creepy and it's gross. And it's kind of weird to me that they were like, yeah, let's put him in the MCU. He's an eternal. But you know, whatever. They probably will. Uh, they, I doubt they'll deal with that kind of thing. I have a feeling his powers are going to change a little bit. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> so, a little bit. Like, I think it's just going to um, be like, oh, he's really good looking, you know? Yeah, right. He's got the power to be super handsome. Uh, yeah, no, this is great. Um, I like Will Conrad. I think the art's fine. It's not what I wanted for this series. This series is known for like 
Paul Pelletier and Wombo right. Bio. Like it's also super... not the Will Conrad that we know today. Who yeah, is very um, very good. So I mean, and it's so the art is okay, uh, but yeah, this is a buy it. This is a great comic. Dan Slott, She Hulk, still top notch, holds up today. Oh, by the way, I just want to mention this is two thousand six. So I don't want to hear about like oh comics like just got woke and cry baby yeah i mean 2000, right in yeah, the last exactly. five years this is 2006 jerks like okay. uh, roofing women was still bad we remembered it was bad at that point i think you guys are making a big mistake i do mostly tax law and some probate stuff occasionally i got my law degree in night school well that's fine lewis we got arrested at night uh, oh boy, I don't really have a. I do not have a funny transition to go from roofing uh, to clones. And so now I'm just back to get, Superman. <laughs> I'm just gonna get right into it. It's Action Comics 737 from DC. The year was 1997. It's written by Mark Wade. Uh, a rare appearance in the Superman office back from this time period. Oh no! With here's what by, you do. You go. Meanwhile, back in Metropolis. <laughs> oh, so, you know what? You did it. You got it. Sorry, you. You're smarter than me. You're better than me at this. Uh, the art is by Tom Grummet. With inks by Dennis Rodier, it's $1.95. Here is some background for you. Luther finally gets his day in court. Is the best defense a good offense? And how can Lex possibly acquit himself? What can he say? What can he be thinking? Also, as if Jimmy weren't already in enough trouble, he goes and crosses inner gang, which immediately puts a price on his head. That, again, that part of the story doesn't matter. Yeah. Much like the New Warriors thing that Matt didn't care about, that part of the story does not matter. No. Uh, at long last, Lex Luthor has been revealed as the villain that the readers always knew he was. Uh, bear in mind that this is still the post-crisis Lex Luthor, who for most of his existence at the beginning was like this respected businessman that uh, was secretly evil and not everybody knew he was a bad guy. <laughs> which uh, which it's clever as hell. <laughs> I love it. That no, that it's dude great. was pulling. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, at this point, though, he has been accused for uh, accused of dozens of crimes, including the near complete destruction of Metropolis in the Milestone Action Comics number 700. Right. Elon uh, Musk he, shot a car into space where I'm like, that guy's a jackass. Right. You know? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, the defense weaves a tale of Silver Age madness, most of which is actually true. Lex had succumbed to kryptonite poisoning that was ravaging his body. Uh, what they don't reveal is that his mind was transplanted into a healthy clone body that he used not to pose. <laughs> yes, that he used to pose as his own, for some reason, Australian son before it uh, it too started to deteriorate. Whoa, 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 uh, whoa! Was this the the Lex that had red hair and stuff? The bushy red maned Lex Luthor Junior. That is uh, that is original Lex Luthor in a cloned body. Yes. No kidding. <laughs> yes, it oh is the God. truth. Uh, there's a you can there's a trade of this that you can get. Uh, I don't know if it's still in print, but you probably find it on Comics oh or whatever it's called. God, it's it's got the very like fifties uh, B movie font, and it says they saved Luthor's brain. It's great. Only a deal with the devil, Neron, was able to fully restore Lex to his youthful vigor. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, Lex orchestrates the most buck wild defense you can imagine uh, when there's already clones and magic involved. And it could come off as too ridiculous even for comics. But Wade very smartly has the court react with the same utter disbelief that readers must have. And before you know it, Lex is back in his original identity, hale and hearty, 
not guilty and ready to begin a bid for political office in a couple of years. That's yeah. right. It's just like in two years time, he would be president. It's just like that scene in every animal movie where they're like, the empire's like, well, there's no rules that says a chimpanzee can't play. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, the stuff with Jimmy and inner gang is filler. It's whatever. But uh, the reason why Superman wasn't there for the trial is a classic Lex manipulation. He put a distant uh, nomadic tribe at great risk uh, by triggering a volcano and Superman showed up to save them. They could not speak English and he had to communicate with them. It was a whole thing. Uh, but like, I loved it. Like the way, like Lex is like, I don't want him at my trial. Fuck that. And he makes a volcano explode. Right. And there's a scene where like Superman's trying to figure it out with an anthropologist that's there and Superman doesn't speak their language. And he's like, ask him if people showed up in jets with the Lex core, you know, symbol on it or something. And then he literally turns and he's like, bunka dunka, you know? And he's like, yeah, they totally did. <laughs> like, okay. Bunka, yeah. Bunka dunka. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Tom Grummet. Uh, so I'm always glad to see his work, but I've never really liked Dennis Rodier's inks. Uh, they aren't bad by any means, but they are a lot heavier and less slick. And I don't think that they always work well with some artists, especially those that are known for like their clean line, like Tom Grummet. Right. Uh, this era gets a bad rap. I, I, I mentioned it with the trial of Superman stuff. This era gets a bad rap, but the creators told a consistently entertaining more often than not, weekly story for a number of years chock full of new takes on classic superman lore and kirby inspired lunacy all that shit with inner gang that is pure jack kirby oh, stuff yeah. oh yeah where it's like yeah boss moxie and oh, like clo like cadmus clones of uh, inner inner gang gangsters from the 20s that they gave superpower it's like it's nonsense <laughs> Uh, Action Comics 737 It's a goofy blast I'm giving this a buy it Like I, the whole thing With Lex Luthor Like It couldn't have been me It had to have been My clone yeah. And the clone shows up And he's like ack, ack. So if, if the <laughs> If the trial of Superman Was like The worst Accusal Of, of yeah. You know A defendant Like this was by far The worst reveal I've ever seen that results in an in an innocent plea where it's just like yeah. they bring out like this clone that like, kill Superman it's all addled and it's like because they literally yeah, like, like grew I it, did it I did it they grew it, it like a week words. ago and it's gonna die a horrible death and Lex is like whatever yeah. I don't care and the judge is just like I guess he's innocent <laughs> yeah and, uh, because this isn't uh, to be like this isn't the trial this is like a uh it's like a pre-trial or whatever it's like Right. No, this is the sentencing. They're getting ready. They're like, you heard all the terrible stuff. You heard everything. Well, it's awful. not the sentencing. Then it's the closing arguments. Yeah. And they, pardon me. Yeah. Because his lawyer is like, it's all true. All those crimes they brought up, all the horrible stuff you heard as a jury. It's 100% oh, yeah. true. The, ju the, the judge throws out the case. Yeah. Because the, she's like, there's no possible way that any jury can say that they did not have reasonable doubt because look at it's another Lex Luthor. He's right there. <laughs> yeah. Which is just so like, insane. it's clearly him. The DNA, like we got all the blood tests. Right. It's him. I have to, yeah. which, and it's, they're like, the DNA will prove it was him. Well, if he's a clone, of course it will. The DNA is going to be exactly the yeah. same. How can you prove it's not that guy? <laughs> they can't, you can't prove a negative, Matt, and it's not their job. Okay. I mean, it's just, it's so stupid. Burden, of, burden of proofs on the state. I've given it a buy it. It's totally ridiculous. It's, it's really like but it's dumb in all the best ways yeah that's like, just I, it i love it it's so dumb in all the best ways you have heard the evidence the decision of the council will now be heard guilty 
Let's move to a little more dramatic courtroom scene with Manhunter, Volume 3, Number 27 from DC. The year was 2007. This is written by Mark Andreco with art by Javier Pina and Fernando Blanco. This issue was a Countdown to Infinite Crisis tie-in that spins out of the Superman sacrifice storyline. The current Manhunter... Uh, it wasn't a Countdown to Infinite Crisis tie-in. It, it, this was after that. This was the trial of Wonder Woman. Yeah, but this was during... This was before Infinite Crisis, though. Oh, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. I, 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 yeah, I checked the timeline. Withdrawn. The current Your man- Honor, withdrawn. Objection withdrawn. <laughs> the current Manhunter, Kate Spencer, is a lawyer by day and was recently contacted by Wonder Woman after a heavily edited video of her killing Maxwell Lord leaks yeah. in the pages of Wonder Woman, Volume 2, Number 219. Diana had been exonerated by the world court, but Wonder Woman never revealed that Lord was psychically controlling Superman and the only way to stop him was to kill him. She didn't want to tarnish Superman's reputation at the time. Well, it wasn't good enough for President Lex Luthor, who we were just talking about, and his administration. So it's the United States versus Wonder Woman in a grand jury hearing. Diana quickly learns that justice is not black and white in the American courts and what it's like to be hounded by the paparazzi during a high-profile case. Everything looks to be going Diana's way with public opinion on her side and the prosecution obviously going after her for political reasons until the guy whose death started off the countdown to Internet Infinite Crisis shows up. Ted Kord, the Blue Beetle, and it's actually him. (laughs) First, Spoilers, it's not. <laughs> yeah, well, later we find out it's not. First, yeah. a word about Andrenko's Manhunter. This run was so great. And oh, yeah. It, it put Kate Spencer, along with Cameron Chase, who I really like, in the middle of some of the best DC story threads happening at that time. I loved this character, and it's a damn shame we don't have more of her today. Infinite Crisis. Well, she's in the Event uh, Leviathan books, yeah. if you bother. <laughs> <laughs> Infinite Crisis was a whole thing back in 2007, and maybe one of the first comics to break the internet, if you will, when Wonder Woman killed Maxwell Lord, people lost their damn minds. Now, personally, I was and am still of the mindset that unlike Superman, Wonder Woman is a soldier and understands that sometimes killing is necessary, but not all fans agreed with that sentiment. And I mean, the, she's a warrior. She's yeah. not. Yeah, she's not even. She doesn't. She's not even beholden to like a military. No, like she's a warrior. There was some heated discussion at the comic shop the week of Wonder Woman two nineteen hit the stands. We just talked about Infinite Crisis and cover to cover recently. How the event itself really wasn't the best, but the storylines that came before and out of it were just great. Superman sacrifice and this Manhunter story were definitely two of them. Wonder Woman is eventually found not guilty, but only through Kate's expertise in front of the jury. I loved how Andranko handled both characters so much here. I'm giving this a huge buy it. And yeah, this is a while back before we Mm -hmm. were neck deep in politicizing the news and twisting stories, and you can just see the prosecution working. 
with the Luther administration, just like, get her, just get her. We don't even care. Get up there and lie. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And great. well, and it's, and like the, the prosecutor was like a guy that used to work for Kate and it's yeah. like, oh, uh, so it's that extra, sh- he's that, that extra shitty pettiness going yeah. on. Um, yeah, no, a Manhunter is a great series. Um, and this is from an era, uh, this is from a, an era of DC, much like the late, 90s uh the the mid to late 2000s uh was also a great time for oh. like weird books that yeah. would not sell today and ideas um, like checkmate coming back and like oh man loved it yeah and so this is a, a wonderful story and like yeah so later on uh, the final issue main hunter has a weird kind of troubled uh, um production run where like they keep putting the book on hold for months at a time or a year at a time. And so this is the final, this is the last issue for like four months. And then it it comes back out of the blue. Um, But this, so the, the, not this issue, but the, uh, the conclusion of the trial is the final issue. Yeah. Like once, once Superman gets wind of what's going on, he's like, Oh, that no we're not letting diana take the yeah, ball and he's, he shows up he's like i want to testify i want to say yeah exactly and so and on. they like they secretly they privately go to the judge and reveal the truth and the judge is like nothing i can do they're in deliberation and unless you want to go out there and actually reveal all this it's over and because of kate kate's such a good lawyer like she prevails and it's great um yeah that whole that whole, I think you might, if you listen back to that cover to cover episode, you will find that uh, you and I may have been in the minority of thinking that the uh, lead ins and the follow ups were better than the main event because I think they liked the main event. But, I, you know, whatever. Um, I, I loved, I loved Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I loved uh, Sacrifice, the whole, all the stuff with um, uh, Wonder Woman and Maxwell Lord. Well, and the whole theme of like, look, I, I don't even need Superman to do anything horrible. All I need to prove is that if he is taken advantage of, or if I can psychically control him, he can become the most dangerous weapon in the world. And that will scare everyone so bad that they'll never trust him again. But I mean, but even then, like, so they couldn't, they couldn't do that. Right. They couldn't, they couldn't use Superman as their weapon. So the only other option was to doctor the footage. Right showing Wonder Woman kill Maxwell Lord and edit out all the bits where he explains the plot. Yeah, very, very so Spider-Man you, no you, way like, home. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. But all, except like, yeah, you don't, see ba- you don't see Batman in the background going, oh, Superman, no. You, you, like, you just see Wonder Woman going, well, you're done, snap. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's diabolical. It's a great plot. It's, it's very good. And Javier, like young Javier Pina, great, yeah. great, great. This is a buy it. I buy it for me. I love Manhunter. Joe, it is time to pass our verdict on these eight comics. Which one of them are we sending to the THN permanent collection for a life sentence? I don't know how you can not be ready. You know we do this every week. I know, but it's, 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 I can't decide. It's a Fantastic Four 262 for me, no question. Not only does John burn in the damn comic, <laughs> we get the origin of Galactus, and we get the reasoning why Reed Richards saved this. It was so good. It was just so good. I can't fight it. Yeah, I'm going to, yes, okay. I'm, I'm going to give it to Fantastic Four because it was, I think, the best, um, it was it was the most fun uh, with the trial bits for me. Definitely. Like 
for me, like there are other books that I enjoyed reading more this week, but it was the other stuff that I liked. Like I liked all the crazy '90s Superman stuff. I sure, liked sure. all the New Warriors. Best drama court stuff. case, I'm going with New Warriors because, like, that, well, because he, yeah, that it's a dude real, did it. Like, right? That but dude no, totally I, I, did but it. I think like as far as a comic, as far as a comic book trial, uh, yeah, it's tough to beat Fantastic Four. 262 and yeah all that shit with john Byrne going to space is so dumb totally great we i we, love it we completely dropped the ball though no living tribunal we dropped the no ball. in fact um there was an issue of she hulk not long before the one you chose where she gets picked to be an agent of the living tribunal yeah. and you did not pick it yeah but there was I, the reason i didn't because there's like no trials he's just like that one's guilty go get him that one's guilty go get him there's like no trial or anything mm. i wanted the trial I just want to say, like, this theme I loved, I think, more than any other theme we've done. And for the first time maybe ever, I read most of the entire storylines for all of these I trials. read a ton. Yeah, I read a ton of like, stuff. Like, I, I went back, I read, like, six, I, I read, went back and read six issues of Fantastic Four. And back then, that was like reading six years worth of comics, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, I read all of the New Warrior stuff. I read a huge chunk of Trial of Super. Like, I was so, I was having so much fun. Uh, this is great. Comics in court, they're the best. Yeah, super fun. And if you want to know more about these comics, check out our show notes where you can find links for all the books we discussed. And if you want to read along with THN, you can find each episode's review list on Twitter and Facebook weekly on Tuesdays. Also, we want to know what you thought about these comics, our reviews, comic book trials in general, or anything you read this week on our live call-in show. It's THN cover to cover, and we'll see you this Saturday on Facebook Live from 11 to noon Central Time. Now that we have fulfilled our legal duties and reincorporated in our timeline, it's time to head up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to change out of our judge robes and into our cultist robes so we can pray to our Dark Lord Dormammu to bless us with the secrets of next week's comics. Joe, we're lousy with robes in this place. We got robes for everything. It's great. <laughs> what oh, is your, a robe for every occasion. What is your must-read pick for next week? Uh, next week, it's got to be... Amazing Spider-Man number 88 dot Bay from Marvel Comics. It's written by Jeffrey Thorne with art by Nick Bradshaw. It's $4.99 and here's your solicit. Did you think Beyond only had one hero on their payroll? In this issue, the Slingers come out to play. Good God. <laughs> Watch as Hobie Brown ascends to new heights as the Hornet. Uh, two things. I love the Slingers. Love them. Uh, and next week, we will talk about what the Slingers are. I'm not going to bother with it this time. Uh, Hobie Brown, though, was the original Prowler. Yes. And I love it whenever they bring back old Spider-Man supporting cast characters. I love it. And now he's going to be the Hornet, which is super fun. Matt, what's your much less fun pick of the week? My much less fun goes to Secret X-Men. It doesn't have one. the Slingers, so it can't be that <laughs> yeah, great. It doesn't, but it does have Banshee. This is Ooh. from Marvel. It's four ninety nine. It's written by Tiny Howard with art by Francesco Mobile and a cover by Lineal Francis Yu. That is kick-ass. Here is your solicit. Shh. It's the X-Men. It's an all nope. cap, so I can't really yell it. <laughs> like, I was really like, shit, the X-Men! <laughs> I think it's like, shit's the X-Men. <laughs> when the Shire Empire faces an unexpected threat, they must call upon the X-Men. Team co-captains Sunspot and Cannonball. 
yeah. Must lead Marrow, Tempo, don't care about them. Forge, awesome. Banshee, absolutely awesome. Strong guy, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Armor, I like. And Boom Boom, who I love. On a secret mission to save Empress Xandra. Wait. Those aren't the X-Men. Aren't those the mutants who lost the election? Yes, they ah. are. This is the losers that we all want to see in a team. They're finally on one. I love this team. I love Forge, Banshee, Strong Guy, Cannonball. Marrow. Mar I don't love Marrow, but I'm willing to live with it. <laughs> I just think it's fun. We had an election and all the losers get their own book too. That's why we yeah. have elections, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> this should be a good time. When they had the election and Sunspot and Cannonball were both up for it, I was like, well, you can't nominate. You yeah, can't let bullshit. one win. That's bullshit. Uh, yeah. And uh, like they must have like they had to have this plan because now it's like, yeah, we get to have our boys in a, on a team book. Oh, together. That or too many people were like, bullshit. <laughs> you should sure. both be on a team. And they're like, all right. OK, <laughs> right. we heard you. <laughs> the THN trade of the week goes to the Flintstones Deluxe Edition hardcover from D.C. It's written by Mark Russell with art by Rick Leonardi and Steve Pugue. It's forty nine ninety nine. It's a deluxe hardcover. You remember what those are like? Hardcover, yeah. Uh, here's your solicit. In this fresh take on the modern Stone Age family, the classic Hanna Barbera characters from Bedrock are reimagined into a witty and poignant satire of twenty first century life. Could that this be collect any more boring? Did that just sell you, Joe? I'll tell you what. I am sold. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, you had to be there. Uh, this collects Flintstones one through twelve and the Booster Gold Flintstones special with behind-the-scenes extras. Um, look, the Mark Russell Hanna-Barbera DC comics are exceptionally good. And I know that it sounds funny. It's like the Flintstones, ha, ha, ha. No, They're, it's good. It's good. It's not just good, it's great. Well, Mark Russell is uh, one of the most witty, intelligent, best yes. humor comic writers working in the business today. And... I will fight you if you disagree. The guy is incredible at what he does. I don't know if there's anybody better writing humorous comics right now in a smart way. He's not writing dick and fart jokes. He writes wonderful satire. And he took the Flintstones and put them in a very much modern day satirical story set in the Flintstones world. And it is genius. It's absolutely genius. I wish there was a Flintstone show that was doing this. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. You can find our picks of the week every Wednesday on the Twitters and the Faces book, where we want you to also let us know what you're reading. We're missing a bunch of stuff. Come on, guys. Help us out here. Excelsior! Oh. That is it for THN 652. Next week, we are back to reviewing new comics and for our Patreon extra, which you can hear for as low as a dollar a month. And that's nothing, okay? So I don't want to hear you bitch about it. The comic pushers will swing by to suggest some Doctor Strange reads for one of our favorite listeners, Miss Sarah King. If you want to wrap about this week's episode or any of the weekly nerdy news we're following, hit us up on our live call-in show. We call it THN Cover to Cover. We do it every Saturday at 11 Central Time. It is hosted on our Facebook page. And don't forget about our question of the week. This week's question was inspired by this week's Cosmic Longbox theme. What is your favorite comic book trial? There is a Again, million of them. 
It doesn't have to be a court trial. It no. could be trial by combat or, you know, whatever. Uh, please keep your question of the week suggestions coming our way. If you want to play along with Cover to Cover Live, you can call us at 402-819-4894 or join our Zoom by clicking on the link in our Facebook Live video chat. And if you can't be there live, shoot an MP3 to 2 nerd at gmail.com or leave a message on the hotline voicemail and you could be internet famous. Now, if you are going to submit a recorded message or leave a voicemail, please keep it to two minutes or less. We get a lot of live callers and a lot of air to share. If you're new to the show and you would rather admit to all of Lex Luthor's crimes and die painfully a week later than listen to any more, I assure you it is only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital longbox archive at twohitanerd.com. THN is a listener-supported podcast. There ain't no ads here, and that would not be possible without the generosity of donors like our friend Hugo Tverdick, who spread the love and the good word about THN on Twitter this week, when for no reason, I assume his father helped him. He just said, I guess John's involved. John's involved. His father, John, said, we support THN and you should, too. And if you like what you hear every week, it's easy to support the show. You can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com backslash two-headed nerd. We can hear all kinds of exclusive content. We just did a THN extra where we were talking about our best, worst Wolverine stories, sort of uh those stories aren't necessarily celebrated, but we sure do love them. <laughs> or you could just make a one-time donation via PayPal because you think what two nerds that get together and scream about comic books for more than 11 years now are doing is great. And we appreciate that. Thank you. Look, this this message is for Hugo and only Hugo. I know that you're really the brains behind that operation, so I got your back, kid. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Brian Augustine, uh, who passed away suddenly on February 1st. Uh, he uh, he had a, a massive, unexpected stroke. I mean, obviously it was unexpected, but like it's just out of nowhere. Augustine's writing credits are vast and include masterpieces like Batman, Gotham by Gaslight. I personally know him as the guy that was attached to Mark Waite's hip for the majority of the 90s as the co-writer of my favorite Flash stories and more. Uh, he is also credited as the man that gave a start to artists like Humberto Ramos, Mike Wieringo, Travis Charest, and Mike Parabek. Uh, he worked as an editor, a colorist, in just about every aspect of the professional comic business. There is an amazing tribute written by his close friend, Mark Wade. Uh, I shared that on the THN fan group on Facebook. It's also on Mark Wade's personal page. Uh, it's well worth the read. Uh, it's a tragic loss. Word to you, Mr. Augustine, and we lost you too soon. Yeah, it is good to know, though, that like when you read something like that, it's just good to hear. Yep, that guy is just as it's friggin' like universally cool beloved, as like we like George Perez, right? It's yeah. like no, it's like nobody has a bad word to say about Brian Augustine. Yeah. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics, or your retailer might just sentence them to death for something. Your great 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 ancestor did a hundred thousand years ago. This is the two hundred nerd signing off. Case closed. The defense rests. <laughs>